Welcome to Syracuse Speaks, a Syracuse Crunch-centric podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ackerman. This is season six of Syracuse Speaks. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to your bi-monthly Syracuse Crunch update on all current events going on with the team. It's almost Thanksgiving, and just in the spirit of the season, I did want to start out by simply saying, as I have in the past, but it still remains true, that I am so grateful for everyone tuning into this podcast right now. Thank you so much for listening and for caring about this team as much as I do. I so appreciate it. So let's get started and see what's going on with your Syracuse Crunch. Currently, Syracuse is looking pretty dang good, you guys. Uh, Going by points, as we do in the American Hockey League, the Syracuse Crunch is currently first in the North Division with 18 points. They are actually technically tied with the Toronto Marlies in points, but the Marlies are in second place because they're, I guess they have one less game played than Syracuse, so they're I don't know. Something's going on. Their record is, I don't even know. I'm not quite sure how they determine um, who does that in the tiebreakers. I could probably look it up, but to be honest with you, it's November 19th. So it doesn't really matter right now how the league is determining tiebreakers when it comes to standings positions. Just for all intents and purposes, know that the Syracuse Crunch is in first place. They have a record of eight four, zero, and two. That's wins, losses, overtime losses, and shootout losses. Syracuse most recently played two games against Hartford. It was a home and home series against the Wolfpack, and it was very much a story of the home game coming out on top each time these two teams played each other. In Syracuse this past Friday, Syracuse topped Hartford five to three, In Hartford, this past Saturday, Hartford topped Syracuse 5-2-2. One of the most interesting things that I'm seeing with this team right now is that they are first place in the North Division. But yet, they don't have any score in the top 20 players in the league right now. And to be honest with you, I think that that really speaks to the fact that the Syracuse crunch are getting points and goals from everybody all up and down the roster. They are playing well as a team and really no individual is necessarily distinguishing themselves one way or another, but that's okay because they're finding a way to make it work even without a super high powered score like Syracuse has had in the past in say Alex Barre Boulay. Currently in points, Maxim Groshev leads the team with 13. Felix Robert, who has had a little bit of an injury trouble experience lately, is in second place on the team, also with 13 points. Groshev has eight goals and five assists to make up those 13. Robert has six goals and seven assists to make up that 13. Following him in order, you have Mitchell Chaffee with 12, Gabriel Dumas with 11, 
Gage Gonsalves with 11, Daniel Walcott with 10, Jack Thompson as 9, Emil Lilberg with 8, Gabriel Fortier with 7, and the newly recall, recalled Cole Kepke with 6 points. So all of those players, they're only separated by 7 points from top to bottom in that top 10. Everyone on this team right now, up and down the roster, is contributing. So for Syracuse, it doesn't necessarily matter that they don't have that super high-powered scorer because they're finding a way to make it work regardless. The Crunch has continued to show fans a little bit more of an inner peek into the dressing room and into practices than they were able to under previous head coach Ben Grew with new head coach Joe Bouchard. And... This past Friday, in the post-game locker room powwow, head coach Bouchard talked a lot about players who are and who can bring others along with them in order to get a team to flip the script from maybe a game that's not going so well that the team is losing, as they were Friday night for a good majority of the game, to a team that's winning. And if you were at Friday night's game, it was fairly obvious who he meant. And he did actually call out both of those players at the end of his speech after the game. And those two players were Captain Gabriel Dumont and Assistant Captain Daniel Walcott. Dumont's currently fourth in the team in scoring. Walcott is sixth, which again, for Walcott in particular, he's playing one of probably his best seasons that we've seen out of him so far, which is fascinating because both of these players are on AHL contracts. And and maybe it's just the result of these two guys being content where they are, having very little pressure on them to, you know, be be the next in line for a call-up, get the Lightning's attention. So they're able to just go out there, be the veteran leaders that the team needs them to be, and do what they need to do, and they're having great seasons. I think Duma in particular at the start of the season maybe seemed a little snake bit. For for whatever reason, I was getting the feeling, and, and again, this is totally me just watching from the stands, that he was feeling a little frustrated because he wasn't scoring. For whatever reason, he just he seemed to be struggling to put the puck in the net. But lately that has definitely not been a problem for him. Uh, Friday night, he had four points, two goals, two assists. The game before that, he had two points, one goal, one assist. It would be really good if he, I think for him and for the team in general, if he could get into a little bit more of a groove, a la maybe what we in Syracuse saw out of him during the 2021-22 regular season where he put up 62 points in 75 games. That was absolutely a career season for Dumas, and I think it was that season in particular that convinced the Lightning to sign him for two more seasons this past, um, over the last couple of years. So it would be great if he could get into that kind of groove. Obviously, we're probably not going to put up that type of number, but you know, if he does, that would be great. But the good news is that the team doesn't really need anyone to be in a groove right now. If they are, that's great. And they're helping to bring others along with them, just like Coach Bouchard said in his postgame speech. 
But if they're not, that's okay because the team is getting scoring and points from all up and down the roster, which is precisely what has been missing from Syracuse over these past couple of seasons. So it's really exciting to see. You can tell as you watch this team play on the ice. You can also tell as you if you follow the team on the social media accounts and you see like the pregame football, soccer, whatever in the world that they do there. Um, this team likes playing for each other. They look like they're having fun out there. And, you know, I don't know if it's it's if it's the ages because they're all kind of young and then you have the the veteran guys that they know they can count on that have been in this organization for a while. I'm not really sure why the chemistry seems that much more energized this season. Maybe it's the coaching change, maybe Joel Bouchard and his group are really bringing in some positive changes and some different feels that it's, that's really ringing true with these players. Whatever the reason, this team is really seeming to click with each other. And although the roster has gone through a couple of changes, there's been some recalls and some players who have been hurt and, and illness has recently affected the team. Some of you may be aware that the stomach flu recently flew through the locker room as it does in close quarters, and that really affected certain players. Um, Hugo Elnefelt was the most recent player who didn't play because he was under the weather, but they recently had, um, so they had called up, a, a, they had actually signed to a, a PTO, a professional tryout contract, just some random goalie because, you know, the, or the organization is kind of short on goalies right now. Um, his name was Vinny Purpua, Purpura. Um, but anyways, we never really saw him play. He was just his insurance. He has been released from his PTO. So the assumption is that, you know, Elnefelt is is healthy and, and ready to go again. And meanwhile, up in Tampa, Andre Vavileski has been practicing. So it seems like his return is at any point in in time, hopefully in the next coming weeks, which means that Syracuse would get match Matt Hutchins back, which is precisely who Syracuse was supposed to have all this time. So it'll be interesting to see if that settles things a little bit with some of the inconsistencies once Syracuse gets the goaltending tandem that had been imagined from the start actually going in Syracuse. Some other transactions that have affected the crunch over the last couple of days, Cole Kepke was recalled on the 17th to the Lightning, they're running into some injury trouble with their forwards. And interestingly enough, Kepke was recalled, but the Lightning returned a forward to Syracuse in Walteri Morella. My best guess as to why this worked out the way it did, because you would think that the Lightning could have just kept Morella and it wouldn't have mattered. But I think that the Lightning want... Morella to get playing time. Cole Kepke doesn't have a ton of firepower on the stats right now, which is one of the reasons why maybe his recall was a little bit of of a surprise. As I explained, he is 10th in the organization in points. He has three goals and three assists for six points. There were other people on the roster who have had perhaps a little bit more of an impressive season than him that maybe the Lightning might have been looking to recall instead. 
Or, as I said, they could have just kept Morella. But my assumption is that they are not anticipating that the forward that they have recalled is going to get that much playing time. They might get some time on the fourth line, or they might just be there for insurance. They want Morella and the other players that are ahead of Kepke, like Chaffee, Gonsalves, Lilleberg. I'm sorry, Lilleberg's a defenseman. They wouldn't have called him up. Fortier. Um, Robert, if he wasn't hurt, and Groshev, who's having a dynamite rookie season for Syracuse, it might have made more sense to recall them if the Lightning was looking for someone who's going to really push the envelope and get their cup of coffee and do what they need to do, maybe get in on some higher lines. But I don't think that that's what the Lightning is anticipating happening with this call-up. So they returned... Morella, because they want him to get playing time. And they called up Kepke, who has had a little bit of time with the Lightning already in his career, is a little bit of an older player. After all, this is his fourth season with Syracuse, although his first season in 2021, he only played nine games. But still, that was a weird season anyways with COVID and everything that affected that season. So, you know, he has 141 AHL games under his belt. They know that they can call him up, get a reliable fill-in for a little while, and then send him back down and not have a lack of minutes really affect what's going on with him. Morella and everyone else that's ahead of Kepke in scoring right now, they want them to keep playing. They want them to get the minutes in the AHL, and they want them to keep scoring. So that's my guess as to what happened with that transaction because it was a little strange that they sent down a forward but then recalled a forward. It's my best guess. On the blue line, the Crunch was very pleased to have Philip Myers returned to them, especially after Hayden Fleury, who was in Syracuse on a, um, I can't think of the opposite of the word permanent for some reason. My brain just, maybe I didn't drink enough coffee today. I'm not really sure. Temporary. Good Lord. Okay. Sorry. Um, Hayden Fleury was in Syracuse on a temporary conditioning stint after not having played in a little while. So the Lightning sent him to Syracuse to get some minutes. He did that and was recalled. Myers was then returned to Syracuse, which considering the blue line is already on the young side already, that was good. (laughs) Myers is a boon to Syracuse. He's done very well since he, he adjusted to the crunch last season and his veteran presence on that blue line is very much appreciated by both the youngins on the team and the fans in the stands. So those are really the most recent transactions that have happened that have really affected Syracuse. And it would be nice heading into a a kind of a busy period around Thanksgiving with everything else going on, if Syracuse's roster could regain a little bit of stability. One of the things we talked about the last time that I sat down with you all was how well Syracuse's special teams are doing. Unfortunately, I don't know if it's some of the roster shifting that has happened, but Syracuse's special teams, the shine has come off of them just a little bit. On the power play, Syracuse now has a 20% success rate, which is good for third in the North Division. 
The Rochester Americans and the Cleveland Monsters have snuck ahead of Syracuse with a 20 – I don't remember who I said first, so I guess it doesn't matter. Rochester has 21.3% success rate on the power play currently. Cleveland is rocking it with a 27.7 success rate on the power play right now. So those two teams have snuck ahead of Syracuse a little bit as far as power play power <laughs> goes. Um, on the penalty kill, which I believe the last time we talked, Syracuse was at a 90 or 91% success rate on the PK, which meant they prevented goals when they're down a man or two that much percentage of the time. That has also slipped for Syracuse a little bit. Syracuse's current success rate on the penalty kill is about 84%, 83.8%. Ahead of them in the standings is the Toronto Marlies with an 84% success rate on the PK and the Utica Comets with an 87.5% success rate on the penalty kill. The shifting of Syracuse's roster obviously affected those special teams. Um, Philip Myers in particular used to see a lot of time on the power play, if I remember correctly. So, you know, that's going to happen. But regardless, Syracuse's special teams are still looking a heck of a lot better than they have in previous years. So that is also some really good news for the crunch heading into a fairly busy holiday season. I mentioned a couple times the busy holiday season that Syracuse has ahead of them. So I wanted to speak to that just a little bit for the next couple of weeks. Speaking of a busy holiday season, I did want to update you all that I am only planning on recording one episode of the podcast in the month of December. This is mostly due to wanting to spend some time with family, wanting to spend some time soaking in the holiday season. And also, honestly, with Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve both on Sundays, which is usually when I sit down to record, it was kind of tough between family things and travel and those two holidays to really hash out when I would actually be able to sit down and record. Um, I also don't have as much time off now as I used to when I was a teacher. As an administrator, I don't get all of the time off around the holidays that teachers do. So, you know, which is which is fine. I, I, I knew that going in. But I'm just simply stating that it does leave me with a little bit of less time to get myself organized and be able to record. So as of right now, I'm just going to be recording m- once in the month of December, Probably on the 10th, although I might shift that to the 17th, depending on what's going on that weekend. But as of right now, I am looking at December 10th as the only episode to uh, really be recorded during the month of December. So what does Syracuse have in the next couple of weeks in between now and then? On Wednesday, November 22nd, Syracuse will face off against Utica in Utica. And then on November 24th, for Syracuse's traditional day after Thanksgiving home game, they will welcome the Utica Comets into the 
not-so-friendly confines of the Onondaga County War Memorial for some Thanksgiving leftovers that hopefully on Utica's side of things will be very spoiled so that the crunch can become victorious. Then on Saturday, November 25th, Syracuse has the not-quite-so-often Saturday after Thanksgiving home game against Laval. Then on December 1st, Syracuse will go into, or I'm sorry, Syracuse will welcome Toronto and then go to Toronto on December 2nd. So another home and home series. Those seem to be very popular this year on Syracuse's schedule. So just kind of something to keep an eye on. Those home and home series, like the one played against Hartford just this past week, tend to be kind of interesting because you usually have some carryover things that occur. So they're always sort of a little bit extra fun and um, entertaining to keep an eye on, depending on what happens. On December 8th, which is a Friday, the Hershey Bears come into Syracuse. And then on December 9th, which is a Saturday, the Utica Comets return to Syracuse. And that is also, my friends, one of the most important games on the entire Syracuse schedule every single year. That evening is the Stanley Steamer Tired Teddy Toss Night, a cherished AHL tradition usually happen happening around the holidays where the place will be packed with both fans and cuddly toys. Syracuse scores that first goal of the night. Those cuddly toys go flying and the game stops for a good five or 10 minutes while they all get cleaned up. Yes, it is a momentum killer, but I have never known a more fun momentum killer in the world to have happen. So Make sure you're looking around your houses if you're somebody with kids or if you're a grown adult like me who likes to spend your money on plushies (laughs) and just start seeing what ones you might want to donate. Or, of course, you can go out and buy some new ones, maybe do some Black Friday shopping for some stuffed animals while you're out and about or doing your Cyber Monday shopping and throw a couple of stuffed animals into your cart as uh, that December 9th game is a very fun tradition in minor league sports, and it's one to always look forward to every single year. So that's the Stanley Steamer Tired Teddy Toss on December 9th. Make sure to have your stuffed friends ready to go flying. And then I'm also just going to throw out there that on December 10th, Syracuse will be in Utica, again, another home-and-home game, for a 3 p.m. start against the Comets. So depending on how my weekends work out. I think that'll pretty much be when I will be talking to you again and all of the games between now and then that will be covered. But, um, you know, yeah. So Syracuse has quite a few games against the North Division, which are obviously some of the more important ones as it is divisional standing that determines playoffs. So you want to be able to get as many points as you can During those divisional fights, Uh, the Atlantic Conference, Syracuse only plays once during this stretch of time, and that's that one game against Hershey. Some tough, tough competition coming up in those games in particular. Um, As it always seems to be, the North Division has started off fairly close this year. Toronto, as discussed earlier, currently trails the tr- the crunch in the standings, but has the same amount of points. So those couple games against Toronto 
are kind of important right now if you're starting to scope out the standings. Obviously, it's too early to really be determining playoff implications, but they're kind of important. Utica is down in fifth place right now, so they're definitely going to be looking to win some games and start climbing up the standings and you know, really start to, to get some more consistency there. Poor Laval is down in last place with a 5-9-1-0 record for 11 points. So again, they're going to be looking to really start get some, start to get something going. And I am sure that they would love to get it going against Syracuse this upcoming Saturday. So if you are a standings watching person, those are the things to kind of keep an eye on for the next couple of weeks. Over in the Atlantic Division, Hershey, as they usually are, is at the top of the Atlantic Division. They're either at the top or somewhere around there almost every single season. They have 24 points right now. They have 12 wins, four losses, and no overtime or shootout losses. So they are pretty dominant this season. That could be a fairly interesting test for Syracuse as they continue to hopefully get scoring from up and down the roster, from your secondary scoring players, from those guys that you really need contributing. Uh, And uh, that, that honestly, that'll be, that'll be an interesting test for this young, fairly new, fairly fresh faced crunch team and their new coaching staff. That'll pretty much do it for this episode. And, you know, as I said at the start of this, I would like to wish all of my American listeners a very happy Thanksgiving. Whether you're celebrating with family or whether you're just going to have a chill day by yourself, I hope it's whatever you want to make of it. My best wishes to you all. And again, my everlasting gratitude to those of you who tune into the podcast every time it comes out. I so appreciate it. And Please keep in touch with me. Send me your thoughts over social media. How do you think the crunch are going to do over these next couple of weeks? I can't wait to talk to you all again soon. Have a great Thanksgiving. I think that will do it for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. I crave interactions and feedback, so please feel free to get in touch with me over Twitter. And I'm still calling it Twitter because I refuse to call it the new name. My personal Twitter is at Alovimo, as always, A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O. Keep taking care of each other out there in Crunchland, and I will see you next time.